Welcome to the Bocha Podcast at the intersection of brown pride and assimilation. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And today we find ourselves, Charlene, at a kind of different intersection. It's an actual intersection, like on a road. It, and it's fabulous. It's and fabulous. We, so we are at the intersection of, let's see, this is what, Church and Main Street in Las Cruces. And as you can hear from the background noise, we are out in the open. Um, we're at the farmer's market on a Saturday. And I will say Las Cruces has a super impressive farmer's market. It, it really does. There's a ton of vendors. There's all kinds of things from food, fruit and vegetables, um, organically grown meats, eggs, anything you can imagine as far as crafts that people make, that people are selling stickers. Pretty much uh, your imagination is the only limit out here at the Farmer's Market. You said earlier you bring your weird here because I was like, man, people are going to, like I'm carrying a bunch of chincheria with this and that. And you're like, nah, people bring their weird. Yeah, you can bring your weird. The other thing people bring, which this is fascinating, I do love to people watch. But when you come to the Las Cruces Farmer's Market, you can dog watch because people bring their dogs in droves and uh, they're adorable. Love the dogs. I can't bring mine because they're unruly. (laughs) <laughs> but I will say these are the well, yeah, these are the well-behaved dogs. They're they're the good dogs, the good boys that got to come to the farmers market. So we are actually here for a reason, and yeah. this is part of our weedy weedy. So we are talking shrooms, but not the hallucinogenic kind. We're talking the food shrooms. Yes, we are. Um, we're checking out full circle mushrooms. We are super excited to get to interview the owner, founder, grower of Full Circle Mushrooms. So we're going to be getting to hear from her today. That's super cool. And how did you stumble on them? So, you know, we love kind bread. We love uh, local Las Cruces mm-hmm. sourdough mm-hmm. kind bread. They have um, done some collaborations with Full Circle Mushrooms in their breads. And also they had a little sticker like, hey, support the mushrooms. So then coming out to the farmer's market, just regular with family, I noticed them and it's if you haven't seen these mushrooms before it is shocking to walk just be walking along and then like whoa this is different this is totally different so uh, it just sparked my curiosity I watched a documentary on Netflix so now of course I'm an expert and I thought this would be a good thing for us to do you did research Um, but you're right when these are not your typical like button mushrooms that you see at the at the store not that there's anything wrong with those button mushrooms but these are definitely like these look like they grew on the side of a tree mm-hmm. in, in a moist forest, but they're from the desert, which is fascinating. Don't say moist. Sorry. It's okay. But yes, so I'm excited to learn more about the mushrooms, to learn about why why mushrooms, uh, and to hear more from the owner of Full Circle. So we are doing things a little bit different. We're doing part of it here, and then we're going to take a trip to the farm to actually be one-on-one with the grower and just check out the uh, the mushroom growing process. And that also means that there's gonna be a plethora of mushroom pictures online. Us with mushrooms, mushrooms with us, mushrooms we're eating, all of the things. So prepare yourself. For, Get ready for mushroom yeah. overload, if there's such a thing. So our August Weedy Weedy is about mushrooms. And before we get started with our guest, um, how are you doing, Charlene? How's everything going in life? I'm doing okay. Kids are back in school, which mm-hmm, brings all mm-hmm. kinds of emotion uh, for a million reasons. Just they're getting older. I know your kiddos are seniors. Um, and then just, you know, COVID's, 
COVID's slowly making a comeback, it feels like. And so there's just pressure and emotion. And yeah, how about you? Uh, it's kind of the same, yes. The, the youngest ones are now seniors. So we're going through that, like, um, close to empty nester syndrome, of course. Mm. We know that they don't actually leave after <laughs> But there was something, because, so uh, if, if you are a hardcore Pocha Podcast listener, you may remember an episode where I had a um, an outfit mishap. Oh, no. I, oh, I yeah. think there have been two of those there's episodes. Been a, there's been a few. Yeah. So, and if you're new to the podcast, welcome and check into our, well, my um, mm. fashion mishaps that happen. So if there was one that happened recently. And <laughs> the reason I thought of you is because oh, I think boy. a while back you were like, have you had another one lately? <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> and um, between then that time, yes, I had, and then I had a recent one. So just before we get into the actual weedy weedy, um, yeah. So the other day, I am taking work clothes off and changing into pajamas, and our executive producer, um, who's also my partner, takes a look at me and she's like, "Is your underwear really inside out? Stop. Have you gone the entire day?" And I didn't notice. Did you do it on? So you, this does mean though that you didn't do it on purpose. I like did not. you didn't just like flip it to the clean side to to no. roll another day. <laughs> no, I'm very particular. Um, it's a very it's a system. I'm systematic about my underclothes. I mean, obviously there's an error. There was factor. an error in yeah. there, and 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 I didn't even notice. I didn't even catch it when I was mm. dressing, and she's just not shocked. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. at this point at all. Yeah, yeah. but laughing at me oh cat i know well at least that wasn't like a public one that was just a, you know yeah it wasn't public and i still follow mom's rule of like wear something clean because you never know when you might it's be true. in an ambulance Absolutely. god knows whatever so yeah there you go that's how life is going along with covid mishaps i have underwear mishaps and that's that's just where we're at are you are you now gonna like mark something on the underwear so that you have a <laughs> front back like, are you gonna like? <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't a front and back issue. It's just inside out. Okay. Well. But um, no, I should pay attention more to the tag, though. That's yeah. I mean, it's there for a reason. True. Not just the size, and how to wash it's it. It's an indicator. Make sh- yeah. Make sure you're yeah. on. You're having a good day. Let's talk about mushrooms, cat. Let's go to Let's. a farm. Let's. Okay. Hey, welcome back. Now we go from the farmer's market to the farm, and we are joined by Jimena of Full Circle Mushrooms. So, um, Jimena, we're just going to ask a few questions about your amazing farm and the process. But first, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for reaching out. And actually, I'm very happy that you can pronounce my name correct. Like she said it right. <laughs> well, we're, trying. we're trying. Yeah, tell just give us a little introduction about yourself. Who are you? Um, what do you want us to know about Jimena? I was born and raised in central Mexico. I studied chemistry with a minor in agriculture. And I started uh, working in greenhouses. So that's how I... Well, actually, I started in that career because I wanted to be focused on environmental chemistry. And at some point in the career, I decided that uh, I first wanted to understand what I was going to be saving. <laughs> so for me, it was more like a uh, passion for, you know, jungles and forests. And uh, like my heart broke every time I saw, you know, like all these um, 
um, uh, you know, people destroying, destroying the forest, destroying the jungle. So it's like, that's why I got started on, on that path. Then I got a job in, in Mexico. For you to get your diploma, you need to work. You need to go to a company and, and work. We call it Practicas Profesionales. So I decided I wanted to work uh, somewhere that I might not like because I was, inten- I was, my intention was going to academia. Like I wanted to mm-hmm. keep going towards that route. Uh, and then I chose a company, it was a greenhouse. Uh, and when I started working there, I, I started learning a lot about you know, plant growth. This was a tomato greenhouse. So this is high tech, you know, that you already have a lot of like interesting programs and algorithms that can water, uh, you can irrigate, you can, you know, use for irrigation, you can control your greenhouse temperature. And I really started liking that because um, it was, I guess, the same thing we're talking about, uh, the mix of, uh, of science and, uh, and the green thumb. Like you have to be able to read a plant to, to see what it needs in order to make that. But you can also rely on the data. You can also check the data, like your graphs are there. Um, so I've always liked that, you know, that, that mix. I don't think they need to be, you know, fighting. So I kept working in the greenhouse industry. I started learning more and um, growing in that area. And then I got a job offer to go to Dallas. So that's how I came to the U.S. Uh, I quit that job and then I got a job offer to manage a greenhouse. In, in Dallas, Texas. Well, in, it was near Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was 24, and uh, I said, okay, <laughs> let's do it. I've never managed <clears throat> a greenhouse before. So for me, it was a big step. Living home, like living my, my parents for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in Mexico, it's, it's different. You're not that used to, like what happens here in the US, right? Here is more like at a certain time you leave home or college or whatever, over there it's not that common. I mean, people do it, but it's more like you stay home until you have enough money to move out or sometimes you get married or something like that. I spoke English then. Um, I've always you know, taken classes, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Like once you move, it's like the, the accents, man. The accents in, in that like small towns in Texas were so <laughs> hard for me. <laughs> I could understand sometimes. I had to, like, I remember we worked with an electrician there. His name was Rusty. And, and at some point, I had to write everything because I was like, Rusty, like, just write it because I don't understand your accent. And, and he was chewing tobacco, and that didn't help, you know? <laughs> so all of those things. Um, he checked off every stereotype. <laughs> yes, yes. Welcome to Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was pretty interesting, that jump. Uh, like. My personal life changed a lot, and also, you know, the um, the professional side. I, I was I went from you know being a a junior grower to being a grower and being in charge of making the calls and and growing in this greenhouse. Um, so that was you know a whole it changed my life for sure. And then from Dallas, I went to Utah. I, I changed jobs. I got another job offer there. So I moved to Utah. Another different, like it, it's, <laughs> yep. it's super different. Uh, moving from, from Dallas to Utah, starting with the weather. Like I remember I arrived there on a, I think it was December the 8th. 
and I rented a car, I arrived at night, and I mean, I knew what snow was, like, you know what it is, but I've never been, like, a snowstorm, so it's like, how do I drive with this, mm-hmm. like, do I need special shoes, like, all these things that, for me, were, like, not, not common, I remember I woke up and everything was white, so I was like, oh, and in the parking lot, like, just, like, super excited about, you know, the snow and all that, and for sure, all the challenges that come with that, like, you need to remove the snow from, you know, so that you can actually drive out from your... Right. Like, those things, like, nobody... I mean, nobody tells you what to do, especially if you just moved in. <laughs> Everybody, suppose, supposedly, you know these things. I was like, what? The sun comes down at 4? I was getting super depressed because it's, mm. like, what? It's, it's, already, it's already night and it's 4 o'clock. So all those things were super different. The community there is for sure very, very different. No alcohol, no coffee, no nothing. It's, it's hard to make friends. It's hard to socialize. Uh, so yeah, Utah was also very, very challenging in that sense. Uh, in Utah, I met Rafael, which is my husband now. And he, he's from Las Cruces, but he was working there. Uh, he was working in Utah, so we, we met in Salt Lake City through friends at Rockland. And, uh, and then he decided to move back to, to, to Las Cruces. So at that point, we decided like if we want you know, our relationship to keep going or not, and then I moved here. You mentioned saving jungles, um, and you ended up in a desert. Was, <laughs> that, was that a heck of a culture shock for you? Yeah, I guess... That was more like the idealistic side of what I wanted to do. Um, I now know that it's the why of, of you know, at, at the end, it's not what. The what was like, you know, idealistic and platonic. I want to save the jungles or save the forests and all that. And at the end, um, just just digging deeper and, and looking into my whys is more related to, you know, conserving and, and being conscious about the environment and the footprint that we're leaving. So, yeah, I mean, the desert for sure is, is, is very different. Uh, and I think it's more like now the work that I'm doing, how it's relating to that why. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about, I, I was so impressed um, with just walking up on your booth at the farmer's market with my family. And I was with my daughter and she was like, mom, what is that? Because, you know, we're used to, you go to the grocery store and you have the little white mushrooms and the little blue styrofoam and that's what, or you order pizza and there's mushrooms. Like that was the extent of our exposure um, unless we're out hiking and happen to find random fungus, which we don't know what it is, if it's safe, if we're going to yeah, don't touch it. It's yeah. we don't know what it is. So I was so impressed coming up on that, um, and then saw you and was just like, oh, I just want to know more. And my main question is why the desert and mushrooms? Like, how did this come to be? When I moved here, uh, I mean, I've always worked. Uh, so when I decided to move to Las Cruces, <clears throat> I had two choices. I was either gonna look for a job or start my own company. Uh, so I decided the second one. And I was like, okay, uh, what, what can we do around here? 
And uh, you know when they when they shell pecans, they have all all the shells are are you know um, agricultural byproducts. So it all started with that idea. Like, what if we use the shells of the pecans? Because all the pecan farmers are dealing with this waste, quoted right. Um, what if I can make something that eats that, or I can grow something that will eat the, those shells? So that's how it all started, and, and uh, finding a use for for that agricultural byproduct. It just doing some research, it fell into mushrooms. Uh, so I started with some trials around it. So I started with trials, and it worked out well, but mushrooms don't don't really liked it, uh, and then. I realized they, they love wood, that's what they grow in. And the pecan trees, you know, they have, they are pretty similar to oaks in that sense, they are hardwood. Mm-hmm. And then you said, well, they prune the trees every year, so I can take that wood that's also an agricultural product, right? So it's using like the waste, and that's what mushrooms do in nature overall. Like they're called the, the, the you know, the decomposers, they're the ultimate decomposers. Without them, everything, would stay as it is when it when it dies, like nothing will eat it and bring it, not convert it into soil or something. So that's that's why it started, like the idea, like looking at what can we do with what we have here, um, and and then it started like that. It didn't start, I guess, contrary to to some mushroom growers that I know, it didn't start because I loved mushrooms. It didn't start like that. It was not like, I know mushrooms and I have passion. It's more like, what can we do here uh, that we can use all our resources? And and it started like going into that route. And then now, of course, I'm in love with mushrooms. And the more I know, is the more I know I don't know. So it's, it's a vicious uh, circle, but that's how I started. So, curiously about mushrooms, um, and some of some of the cuisine that we have here, like New Mexican Mexican cuisine, is similar. But then there are going to be some things that are different from where you're originally from. But in in your travels and in your in the history that you know, is there a lot of use of mushrooms in Mexican cuisine? Yeah, it depends on the region. Uh, but where I'm from in Querétaro, yes, you have. You know, have you heard about Huitlacoche? No. It's this uh, this fungi fungus that grows in, in corn, and it, it's it's black, uh, and some people like look at it and they get super scared, but it's delicious. Mm. And now it's like even a delicacy, you know. Now you can buy it and it's super expensive. You buy it here, but over there it's like we have with la coche and we did it with you know uh, quesadillas and it's amazing. Um, so we we use we call it setas. Um, it's more like similar to the oyster mushroom, but even if you go south a little bit more, like all the area of uh, Chiapas, Oaxaca, Tabasco, those places are full of mushrooms and people are just, are used to eat that Mm -hmm. and not just eating them, right? Like then you go into like all the ceremonial things that they do with with mushrooms and you go into the psychedelic routes and all that. But for them is, is culture. And they're big. There are actually a lot of workshops going going down, like in in Oaxaca area, Chiapas area, because of all the diversity. But I mean, even with that, it's yeah, we have them on our cuisine, but um, the information is limited. 
So a, a follow-up on that, just super quick. Has it been, because we are in a desert, and unless you go to the grocery store, typically you don't see or find the mushrooms, like Charlene was mentioning, but have you have you found it easy to kind of substitute um, some of the mushrooms for some of the aspects of cooking that are here, where we don't, like we're in a desert, we don't normally have them. So was it easy to kind of just exchange mushroom for a meat or something in what we would typically have? Once you try them, yes. Like the thing, the important thing is to being brave enough to go out from the regular diet of the mushroom. And that has for sure been a challenge. And at the same time, that challenge has been really rewarding on, on seeing the same people like coming back for their mushrooms. And now they know, and now, now they ask a little bit more. And now they read a little bit because for this area, like if you go to the Pacific North, North East, West, uh, they are used to go mm-hmm. hunting. They, they, hunting mushrooms is, is something they do as their kids. In this area, people are not mm-hmm. used to it. I see a lot of people are afraid. Like, are these really edible? Like, you have to kind of convince them. That's why we have, like, some recipes so people can actually see a, a dish there, right? Like, something for this area that could be more common, like the menudo, right? Like, you can substitute oyster mushrooms uh, for the menudo meat. You can do... I don't know, chicken pozole, and instead of using chicken, you use shredded lion's mane. Uh, and we have some chefs in El Paso that are, you know, starting to do those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your to your question, it is, um, it is hard to kind of convince people to, to try them and to be brave enough to incorporate them to their diet. But once they do, they love them and they always come back. So that's, that's very, you know, it's rewarding to see how excited they are of, of having them here. Yeah, I um, we got to spend a little bit of time with you at the market this morning, and it's it's fun to watch people do what I did and come across your booth and just be like, whoa, what is that? You know, there's lots of questions. I'm, I'm sure you answer questions all the time when you're out there. Um, and certainly the recipes, there was uh, like carnitas, like you said, menudo. So I can see how you're bridging that gap for people. Like this is familiar and it's okay. I know um, my daughter is a very picky eater for sure, sadly. But it was more exciting for her to try it knowing that she saw you and knew that you grew them. So for her, a seven-year-old, that was like, oh, I, I guess you look trustworthy, Jimena. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm actually very, like, I got goosebumps when you said that. It's pretty cool. We've had a lot of kids, actually. Like, they show their interest. Um, and surprisingly, like, a, a good number of kids are are turning their parents in vegan or vegetarian or they just want to adopt, a, like, a more uh, plant-based diet. Uh, and, and I don't know where they're hearing these things. I mean, it's just like all over the media right now, but uh, they are interested and that's super exciting too. Like they go and they ask and it's like, is this a mushroom? Is this, is this? So oh, well, they all want to touch them, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's what I've seen. So it's, it's, I, I've seen kids like showing their interest and um, it's exciting. So mushrooms aside, I do have to ask, since you are a transplant from um, even not just Mexico, but a kind of a further away place than what we're used to, like most of the folks in, in, in the area have roots in um, the state of Chihuahua, right? So 
has it been much of a culture shock for you um, moving here? I've been dealing with a culture shock since I moved to the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh, oh, they're always finding out stuff. Uh, here, I feel it a little bit more like home because you can uh, at least, you know, do this, like interchange from English to Spanish, and, and most people will understand. Uh, you see much more, you know, brown skin like me. So at that point, it, you know, feels a little bit more familiar. Uh, what feels really odd is like all these, like talking about kitchen, for example, like these quoted Mexican dishes. I was like, come on, like this is not, this is not what I eat, right, mm-hmm. in, in where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more like, a, you know, uh, the border, like we call it Tex-Mex food because it, it's like not like we really don't need that cheese like what you guys call Mexican cheese like that's not Mexican cheese like come on so those things like that is like no like that's not really true true for where I'm from so that's like a big I guess with the food is it's the biggest like you know cultural side um but yeah I mean there's gonna be always something something different uh yeah um, yes, the food, we get very territorial about our, even our food here and going up north when people call something, you know, pozole or whatever, like, that's not it either. Or So it, it's interesting how we get very territorial about our food, for sure. Um, so thank you for trusting us to do this interview and trusting us to just tour your farm it was I seriously I had some magical moments like when you opened that door and steam came out I was like get out of here this is magic it really is magic it's beautiful um but one thing we have been asking all of our guests is were you familiar with bocha and what does that mean to you um because we just we like to know sure um yeah I've heard that term before um usually used like not in a very nice way mm-hmm. um yeah uh it's, it's i guess it and i guess it also changes once you are from the center of mexico and you start moving up north right uh for me pocha or pocho is so, someone that uh it's really in between uh, well, I don't know. I, I really have changed my opinion recently. So I used to think I used to think it was more like they're not Mexicans, they're not from the U.S., but like like it's more like they were Mexicans, but they they wanna be. We call it wanna be. Like mm-hmm. they just wanna be from the U.S. So at that point, it's a little bit of a rejection, you know, from our side or from my side. I cannot speak for everyone. Uh, unlike are you Mexican or not? Like, and, and why are you rejecting mm-hmm. our Mexicanismo, right? If you, if you are ch- like changing words and doing all that. So for me, it used to be more of that, more like uh, some pochos, more for the side of interpreting as a, as a rejection on like why you don't like wanna be proudly 100% Mexican, you know? Now that I'm here, uh, I've changed completely my my mind around that. It's more like, you know, this is... People that are around this area are their own culture. Like, it's people that, you know, grew up probably here with parents or grandparents uh, from Mexico. Uh, they have been adopting different things. And, and 
yeah, I mean, they are not from Mexico and they're not completely from the US. They are their own, their own, you know, culture. Um, and that's something that I, I came to realize now more. And I respect it a lot. And I like it, you know, I, now, for example, um, Sarah that you met at the farmer's market, it's pretty cool because we can go back and forth from Spanish and English and we we are doing that jump all the time and we also have that uh, you know that bridge of probably the, the family side like the grandmothers and the mothers the, the kitchen the food uh, and she also has you know her own other side uh, and my own side like more from the center but it's that bridge that I see and I I, I value it a lot now on realizing, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not that, I guess I, I, I noticed that it's not that they don't want to be of that side. They actually take pride on both sides. Uh, and that's what's, you know, cool about that, that, that mixture and that borderline that just like gets interconnected. Yes, we had heard it in a derogatory sense also. And the more we were talking about just the ways and I, I think, for me anyway, it is rooted in rejection from both sides, right? You're never that, and you're never the basic white girl, like, but somewhere in the middle. And, and for us, we talk a lot about on the show and just in real life about how our grandparents, our parents, our ancestors were punished for speaking Spanish. They were not allowed to be Mexican and be here. So they thought they were doing the right thing by making sure that we could speak without an accent, making sure that we knew how to be white so that we could be accepted and be successful. Um, fortunately, I think we've gotten to a place where we can take some of that back. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're finding this other, like you said, it is an, a whole other culture. It's this whole other balance, this mm -hmm. whole other semblance of, of being both and knowing what that means. For me, for example, the accent, right? Like I know my, I still have like Mexican accent. I try, try to fight it in sense of sometimes I get like, people think you're stupid because you can't have the accent, mm -hmm. you know? And then when you are in business, you, that's a, that's a thing that will hurt you, mm -hmm. you know? Or even when, I don't know, if I wanted to get another job somewhere else or like when I was, you know, job hunting, you will get interviews, and unless that person knows that 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 is, you know, that your accent is not reflecting your mm -hmm. abilities or your knowledge or whatever, uh, if they don't, if they are not aware of that, you are gonna pass as somebody with with less intellectual abilities for the accent side. So on my side. Yeah, it's like, ugh, I need to work on like that accent. And I, blah, blah, blah. Like, sometimes it doesn't bother me. And other times it's like, I just better like, just, you know, scale up, like put out the game, like be better at this. But yeah, it's, it's I guess it's super tough um, for people that, you know, that are born here. Like, do you, do you call yourself Pochas? Oh, we do now. Uh, we do, yeah, I do. <laughs> At first, it was it was an insult, and now I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's just where I'm at. I 
Mm -hmm. I landed in a lot of different places and I'm a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. What you were just talking about frustrates me so much because we put this level of not even just acceptance but success when we English speakers can send their children to learn Spanish as a second language, then it's an asset and a skill. But when you're coming in and you're like, I'm a chemist, bitches, like, I'm, I'm a chemist, I'm a grower, I'm female, I speak both languages fluently enough to do both of that, you are a genius. And, and yet you're perceived or can be perceived by some people as being less intelligent because of an accent, which is the complete opposite. Like, I know more than you just by talking. <laughs> like, that's so much. Uh, so thank you, and I hope uh, I hope you find audiences that can appreciate your diversity and your skills because we appreciate. So where can people find you? Yes, definitely within the uh, New Mexico Texas border area, but otherwise, because we do have listeners that join us from Hey Minnesota, we see you. Um, where can people find you online? So our website is uh, fullcirclemushrooms.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at fullcircle.mushrooms and, you know, we're on Facebook there as well. And here in this area, we'll, we'll find us every Saturday at the farmer's market uh, and some restaurants, you know, Juicery Plus, Tafias, Elimi, Rulis, like, all, all, shout out to all my chefs there. Um, yeah. We're also going now to some, like, co-ops, you know, Abacuque area, Santa Fe. We're sending our mushrooms up there. She's nice. We're sharing. Yeah. Well, there's there's an abundance. We have to start living in abundance, Kat, and sharing. That's what we're that's what we're doing. Um, thank you so much. This has been really wonderful, and we are glad you're here in this community. I hope you feel like it's home. Um, we'll certainly continue to support you and trying all the mushroom recipes. And um, yeah, I'm. I do want to give it a go to have the mushroom um, menudo, because menudo is my one of my favorites. Um, but my mom doesn't eat the tripe as much. Like, mm -hmm. I, I eat her tripe for her. Mm -hmm. But I want to give it a go and see what that's like. Please do, because I love menudo, hate the tripa, and uh, I know I love you, but I don't want to eat your you leftover <laughs> menudo. So, yeah. <laughs> so you have been listening to the Bocha Podcast. This is the Weedy Weedy for August, um, and I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And we'll see you on the flip side. <laughs>